Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Not Another Whiskey Podcast. So if you guys are looking for a podcast with in-depth whiskey news, bunghole sniffing and belly button twiddling while drinking cast strength, natural colour, unchilled filtered, hard to find whiskey, then you've definitely come to the wrong place. I'm Mitch Beshard, your co-host. And it's me, Daz, the good looking sounding one. Mitch, you did pretty well there, mate. That was a lot of biz. That, that was a lot. I'm glad we hadn't started drinking, man. Um, yeah, you are. I've just come you. off a tasting of 15 different whiskies with a dude in Norway. So, um, yeah, I'm glad you got that and not me. All right, guys. So, thank you so much for all the positive feedback we've had from episode one. If you haven't checked it out, then have a listen to it. Uh, it was our first attempt. This is episode number two. Uh, number one, we told you guys about some of our whiskey tales from our combined 30 years of experience as whiskey ambassadors but in this episode we're going to take you on a wee look around the world of whiskey festivals both in Scotland and around the world so as you're probably aware they're mostly happening virtually this year in the UK but some countries have tentatively moved back to in-person events which is great to see so in this episode we thought we'd give you an insider's guide to whiskey festivals talk about their future and hang out till the end where we're going to drop in some wee tips on do's and don'ts when attending these festivals based on our experience and what people have kind of done to us and not done to us, I suppose. Right, Daz? Yeah, yeah, there's a bit of that. There's definitely a bit of that. Yeah, so grab a glass, guys. Sit back and enjoy Mitch's 5 out of 10 banter. <laughs> not mine. So, Daz, let's talk about this. Have, have, have we got... The first ever written record of a whiskey festival. Actually, actually, who gives who gives a fuck? Let's explain to people out there if they haven't been to a whiskey festival what this is all about. Yeah, I I do actually know when the first whiskey festivals were. Um, Sharp, I do. I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna amaze you <laughs> with um, some dates and some vital statistics later on. There's actually a whole ecosystem of different types of festivals, right? Mm -hmm. There are festivals that happen in the whiskey regions. You know, at the Spirit of Speyside, Campbelltown Whiskey Festival, Fez Isle, you know, these are all established festivals that take place at distilleries within the whiskey regions. But I've been to whiskey festivals like Whiskey Live over in Taiwan, down in Singapore. Um, you've got the Nth, Mitch, and I know you know that event very well over in places like Vegas. There are whiskey festivals that literally take place all over the world. And 
it's about celebrating and enjoying, you know, all of these wonderful whiskies that, that come from Scotland. And, and even now, actually, a lot of these whiskey festivals are not just about Scottish whiskies. They are, you know, there are floors <laughs> for scotch and then there are rooms for Taiwanese whiskies, American whiskies, Tasmanian whiskies. You know, there's all sorts of stuff going on in these places now. So, yeah, I've been to quite a lot of them and I know you have. We've been to a lot of events as well that both of us haven't been to, which is quite cool. So we've all got slightly different takes on things, which is decent. So what I thought we would do uh, is stop in Campbelltown, first of all. You know, Campbelltown's a fascinating part of the world. It's so interesting from just a kind of whiskey point of view because it kind of was the Victorian centre of distilling in Scotland, specifically around malt whiskey. And, you know, in its pomp back in the day, at any one time, there were around 22 distilleries operating in Campbelltown alone. I heard a vicious rumour, and I'm not sure if this is true. Like many of my facts, they're never, never quite true. You know, there's always a little bit of truth <laughs> in them. Um, it was actually the number one earning place per capita in the United Kingdom back in the early 1900s, I think 1910, something like that. And the reason for that was it was kind of, you know, there's a lot of distilling going on. Everyone was well-employed and had roles and things like that within these distilleries. And so many of them, of course, were family-owned. So it was a, a key part of the, the business and the whiskey industry back then. And today it's sad because there's only two and a half distilleries really operating down in Campbelltown these days. Uh, and a lot of that was due to the decline and the Great Depression in America in the late, well, the late 1920s. Most of those distilleries had gone by the end of the 1930s, just before the Second World War, they were gone. So, you know, it's a, an amazing part of the world. And if you drive around Campbelltown today, you'll see a lot of the, you know, old warehousing. Mitch, you'd love it. You can get your drone down there. You can whiz about and see what's happening around these old buildings and what used to be a distillery and what was a warehouse, where was a still house and all that kind of stuff. So I thought we would go there and, you know, have a wee chat about that, I suppose. What's your thoughts on a whiskey festival? You know, what does it mean to you? I mean, just going back to Cameltown quickly, I think we should definitely do a visit down there. I haven't been down there for about 15 years. It was back in our Diageo days yeah. last time I was down there. I think the other thing that was their downfall, right, was a little bit of, of greed going on there. The, the quality kind of suffered in the end from obviously not the distilleries that are still in existence there, but definitely back in the day. Um, stories I read about them using casks that previously held fish to age their whiskey. I mean, that's not going to be pleasant, right? I think actually, I think it might go down quite well these days. You know, that, that there is one, like isn't there? There, yeah. there is like a fishy whiskey that I saw marketed and it was... Yeah, was yeah, it from Canada? Fishy. I thought, I thought it was like Scandinavia or something. If you know where was that it? whiskey's from, let us know. Uh, definitely, but, or don't. Yeah, or don't. <laughs> yeah. We definitely don't want a sample yeah. of that. What's your take on whiskey festivals? Like, you, you, what, what? for me, it's just a place where you can go and taste loads of stuff, try new things, and, and actually just chat to people, right, about all that's wonderful about whiskey. I think, yeah, I think there's two takes on it for me, right? It's when I go to a whiskey festival myself with my mates and when I'm working at one. Um, so it's a love-hate relationship. I do enjoy going to them still um, just as a customer. And, and, and I think it's a great way of sampling a load of different brands that you maybe hadn't sampled before, uh, getting to meet new people. Uh, I think, you know, working them, I don't know, man, I, I I think there's a, there's a, I've definitely got a cutoff point. If someone said to me now, and a classic example is the, the Cinderella cruise over in yeah. Stockholm that leaves out of that. Right. Um, I remember being asked to do three days on that about two, mm. two years ago, maybe three years ago. And I was like, absolutely no way I'll come over and do one. I, I just can't handle doing 
you know, three days on working at a whiskey festival anymore. Uh, I'm just, I think I'm too long in the tooth for that. Um, and I think we'll get into this a little bit later on when we talk about the do's and don'ts, right? Because that kind of comes into it. But mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it's interesting. It's interesting to see what's going on that, what's going on with regards to whiskey festivals, where they're going to go. I think it's great to see them coming back in person, but I've really enjoyed some of the virtual ones that have gone on this year. I, I don't know if you've done any of them, but I did the, yeah, yeah. the whiskey exchange one. And, you know, I thought whiskey live, Chris Coates did a great job on that one as well. Um, what was your experiences about on the virtual ones? Yeah. Yeah. I loved them, man. I mean, I, I did, I hosted quite a few tastings at the whiskey show. Um, and I did this weekend, uh, do a tasting for spirit space side as well, which was brilliant. Um, I've actually really enjoyed them it's just chilled you know and, and, and actually like the, the format of it and, and being able to kind of share these stories from the comfort of your own home in your pants is great i was right? gonna say you just love it because you can drink in your underpants right <laughs> yeah and uh, i've honestly I've, I've i've really enjoyed the whiskey shows and i and, and I, what of the the platforms that these things are on are quite cool spirit of space side was on air meat um I can't remember the one that the whiskey show was on, but what was quite cool is after the tasting, you know, the big headline tastings and stuff, you could kind of go on to people's booths and have little mini yeah. chats and have a dram. And, and it kind of felt a little bit like the after festival beers that you would normally have. Like I always remember at Whiskey Live in Paris, you'd normally finish about eight or nine o'clock and then you'd pour into the streets outside. And there's always a couple of pubs that you could go into and you catch up with your fellow, you know, peers from Scotland and, Guys like yourself, Mitch, who'd lived in America for a long time that might have been over for an event or something that yeah. I hadn't seen for a long time. And it was a brilliant way to kind of connect with your industry pals. I think that's what I've missed more so from the virtual sessions. But to be honest, they've, they've been good. Uh, and and the, the way that these guys have been executing them has been superb. And having sample packs at home and just kind of going along with the whiskeys and being able to ask questions of a distillery manager or a, or a brand ambassador or a blender or whatever is, is, is really, really good. The thing is, though, I do miss, you know, the travel to a whiskey festival. There's something about the travel to those events that make it really, really special. So, you know, getting a toothbrush, packing a spare pair of pants and going for it, you know, that's the, <laughs> that's the stuff. And, and Mitch, I recommend a stunt liver as well. You know, that's always a good idea too. Mate, absolutely, absolutely. So on that point, let's talk about some of our, our crazy experiences at some of these whiskey festivals. Um, you know, for me, you mentioned it earlier. I think the, the maddest uh, experience we've, the, that I've had so far, um, just for, I suppose, sheer opulence, let's call it, was the very first ever Nth Whiskey Show, which was, I think it was 2012. Uh, you know, Mahesh Patel put this together and it was the who's who of the whiskey industry that was there. I'm talking like David Stewart, Brian Kinsman, Richard Patterson, you know, all these big names attended, all the ambassadors attended, and not to mention the liquid that was poured was ridiculous. Yeah. So to give you guys an idea, to get into this show, the cheapest ticket was 500 pounds or $500, I should say. Um, it went all the way up to five grand for what they called the high roller experience. Um, and, you know, I mean, we're talking like, I remember there was a, a, a McAllen, was it the M series? I think you guys had at the time that was being yeah, yeah. poured out. There was Balveni forties. We had a Glenfiddich, uh, 47 year old that we were pouring out. It was a super pour. Um, 
on the Friday night, so with the Empt, they do a load of master classes as well. But on the Friday night, there's like a, you know, the, the kind of booths, if you like, where you walk around and you get to try all, all the whiskies. Yeah. Even though I was working, I still managed to taste a combined year's experience of 275 years. I mean, it was absolutely insane for, for you know, a whiskey experience. And you just don't get that anymore. And I don't think we're ever going to see that again. Because that old stock is becoming so rare right now, no one's willing to pour it at whiskey uh, whiskey shows. Well, yeah. I, I I will challenge you on this because I was watching the nth or bits of it uh, from afar, of course, uh, online just last week, right? Uh, mm -hmm. The week before last, yeah. Yeah. There was they were pouring some nice whiskeys there, man. Yeah. Uh, I was seeing some thirty fives and forties going out. There was uh, some decent stock being poured, so I don't know what the format was, and I don't know how they did it all, but it certainly looked like they were enjoying themselves with some decent, decent whiskies. Nice. So, what about you, man? What about your uh, your crazy whiskey festival story? Well, I mean, mate, there's there's a few, right? I mean, the Cinderella cruise in Sweden, I think, is one that certainly from our brand ambassador friends that might be listening in, they've <laughs> it's almost a rite of passage. I think in your first year as an ambassador. Uh, you must go to Sweden. You have to get aboard the Cinderella cruise. And I think you've got to complete three days, a full weekend, you know, get on that boat on a Friday, get off it on a Sunday and then go and lie down for a week. You know, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good <laughs> idea. Um, uh, man, the, the amount of funny things that, that have happened at festivals and things like this have always, always amazed me. And the, the kind of things that people can get you to do. Um, this is not a whiskey event necessarily, but it's a, a, Highland Games, right? And I was I was working at Highland Park at the time, and there's this guy from the Czech Republic, right, called Vaclav Rout, and he's a real Scottish enthusiast. He's this Czech guy. He owns a castle called Sikrov Castle, and he can play the bagpipes. And he's a massive fan of whiskey. So through a random connection, he's like, "Look, would you mind coming over and doing some whiskey tastings at the Czech Highland Games?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'll come over. Of course, no problem at all." So. I go over and, and I didn't really get a brief. I, I went into Prague, uh, went out that night, had a few beers. It was pretty good. Uh, and then we went down to Liberec, which is the closest town to Sikrov, right? Liberec, a funny place. Um, but we go down and we, we, we end up having a, having a good time. And my job was to open the Highland Games. And I only found this out when I got there. And they're like, we want you to cut the ribbon and everything in front of the castle. And I was like, how many? I was thinking like there'd only be like two or 300 people at this thing. It's five and a half thousand people turn up and all of these absolute monsters, these huge, like six foot eight, six foot nine dudes with muscles all over the place who are doing Highland Games. And they're not from Scotland, right? They're from, I don't know where they're from. They're all, you know, Czech or a lot of Eastern European guys. And the guy, the guy that actually, they're all kilted up and wearing like yeah. Scottish kind of themed vests and stuff. It was like, <laughs> it was properly mental. So Anyway, they, they do the event. It was brilliant. Um, and the guy that won it was the Olympic discus thrower from the Czech Republic. He actually won the Highland Games. So this guy was an athlete. He wasn't actually, he wasn't six foot nine. He was like six foot three or something. He, he looked more normal, but he was obviously an absolute machine. So anyway, right, we go out, we celebrate with some of these guys later on that night. And, um, and it's all a bit of a blur, which tends to happen, sadly, at the end of a whiskey festival. You've been tasting right. stuff. And we were tasting quite a lot of whiskeys. We did a few tastings during the day. These guys wanted to try more, obviously, in the evening. So we had quite a few whiskeys in the evening. Anyway, I go back to this, this weird motel that I was staying in. It had like gold shimmered kind of blankets, uh, curtains. The lights were kind of hanging upside down. The, the lady that ran the place, um, one of her eyes was glass and one wasn't. So it was kind of, it was quite disconcerting when I kind of, I was just, it was everything that was just 
wonderful but weird and at the same time yeah i was i was just gonna say it sounds like your kind of place <laughs> i think they booked it for me on purpose anyway andreas right the guy who was kind of looking after me uh, and I, I got to bed and I, that was that the door goes in the morning and usually when i'm traveling right I, I keep my clothes on i have my wee bag ready to go just so i can make the great escape you know you can get to the next event because that's the problem that people don't see is you're usually like bang 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 you, you get in a, i call it nine till five a.m you know, that's the kind of job that you have as an ambassador is your, your first one up in the morning, your last one to bed at night. You don't really oh, get a huge amount of sleep. That's yeah. one tip for anyone who wants to be an ambassador. Always pack at night before you leave the next day. Always pack it. That's what I do. I pack at night yeah. always. So the bag's ready. Anyway, he bangs on the door. Daz, Daz, we need to go. And I'm like, what is it? And all I hear is, woof, woof, woof. I was like, what, the, what was that? And he's like, are you okay? And I'm like, I think so. And all he hears, woof, 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 woof. there's a black Labrador in my bedroom. Right. And it's going mental because obviously Andreas is just banged on the door and I'm going mental because, well, there's a black Labrador in my bedroom and I don't know why it's there. <laughs> I'm kind of looking around going like, what is going on here? So I, I opened the door. I'm like, I've got my kilt on still. He's like, are you OK? And I'm like, yeah, there's a, there's a black Labrador in here. And he's like, how did you get that? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> so yeah. I've, had to, I've had to just I've just got to grab my bag. I've left the door ajar so that the dog could get out and I've just just left <laughs> i had to just get out of there you know it was like proper hangover moment you know you know just like there isn't even an explanation and i left i went to bed you know andreas and i got back to the hotel at the same time and went to bed and this labrador has obviously got in somehow or i've got up at night and sleepwalking or <laughs> picked this thing up from somewhere madness so yeah there we go there's a story from a whiskey show type thing uh where i, I want adopted to see a labrador the, uh... for a short period of time <laughs> I want, to, I want to see the security camera on that one. Yeah, walking, I, I walking in that. your room with a with a lab. <laughs> <laughs> that, that place did not have security cameras. That is for sure. <laughs> on to our next part of the show. What's that? It's drinking this week. Right, Daz, let's Ooh. get into this. What are we drinking today? Right. Okay. So one of uh, one of my finds last year. I've known of Glen Scotia. We talked about Campbelltown earlier. And uh, you and I, I know we both like Springbank. Um, I, I don't know Glen Gyle so well, uh, but certainly Glen Scotia is a distillery I wasn't that familiar with. Last year, I bought their festival bottling, the 14-year-old. It was a peated version, finished in a port pipe, delicious. I, I thought it was really, really, really good. Um, this year's slightly different. They have also released another uh, Campbelltown exclusive. Uh, this year, it's a 10-year-old. It's unpeated. And the interesting thing here is that it's um, been finished in a lovely Bordeaux red wine cask and it's got a lovely kind of pinkiness to it you you've got a glass there Mitch what's your thoughts yeah I actually did this uh we did a a, a lads kind of tasting blind tasting uh and this was one of my favorite from from the nine that we tried I really like it it's it, it's kind of got like a it's like a little bit of red berries in there mm. there's like a there's a honeyedness but I don't get it on the nose but I get it on the palate there's like a maritime kind of salty brininess that's still there that yeah. reminds you that you're drinking a Campbelltown whiskey, you know? Yeah, touch oily, definitely. I think it's got that kind of cranachin quality. There's a lot of honey. There's a bit of berry. There's um, a slightly kind of uh, soft toffee um, sort of character in there. Big though, eh? It's big. Well, listen, it's cast strength, right? So it's 56.1%. It's not that old. It's a 10-year-old. So yeah. it's yet to be tamed properly by time um so yeah i think it is it's a bit punchy but a little splash of water 
and uh, I, I think it's delicious. Um, I, I think it's a, a, a lovely, a lovely whiskey from a distillery that seems to be doing great things at the moment. They just, mm. their 25 year old was just voted uh, best whiskey of the year. Um, you know, and it's kind of lesser known as well. So yeah, I think they're doing a good job down there and it's, um, yeah, distillery. Beautiful visitor center as well. Has it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, mate, yeah. I, I haven't been to Campbelltown probably for as long as you have. So, um, yeah. I know they redid it all, didn't they? Um, mm -hmm. fairly recently. So yeah, I'd love, we, well, you and I, we will get back down there. All right. So let's take it from Campbelltown. Let's go up to Speyside because talking about whiskey festivals, uh, well, we've just finished this virtual Speyside whiskey festival. That's, um, just literally just finished. I think it was yesterday. Mm -hmm. Uh, so this is the first one they're doing this year. And I say first one because there's actually going to be two Speyside whiskey festivals this year. The second one is going to be on November 3rd to the 8th. And that is going to be an in-person one. Woo! Woo! Back to in-person <laughs> tastings or whiskey yeah. festivals. Fantastic. Can I still do that in my pants? Uh, you might get looked at funny, mate, but yeah. you could try. I mean, there's not that many police up there, so, you know. Should be all right, eh? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I've done the, the Speyside Whiskey Festival a few times. I remember one of the horrendous times I did it was when I went up with all the lads, and it was when it was that long ago. I think it was my last year working for Diageo, and um, there was, like, an amazing whiskey dinner that was going on in, I think it was the Dufftown Distillery, mm. and you, you actually had the dinner in the stillhouse, right? So I had tickets for this night. Uh, there was about 16 of the, 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 the lads that were all up there. Uh, you know, it's kind of like whiskey trip. And uh, we decided to go to Keith about one o'clock in the day and start drinking in a pub. So by the time we made it to the dinner, let's say a few of the guys weren't all there. One of the guys, he's, he's going to be listened to this. He listened to the last uh, episode. I'm not going to mention him by name. He started crying during the dinner oh. because... Um, because a song came on that reminded him of home and he was missing his wife, even though he'd been away from her for like two days, you know? <laughs> a touch emotional, these whiskey festivals can be. Yes, yes, yes. exactly. So that was my last experience of the Speyside Whiskey Festival. But tell me about how your tasting went with big Dave Broom in the, the yeah. virtual one this week. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Uh, oh, brilliant. I mean, it was a, a very loose brief shall we say, you know, uh, I, I oh, is this with part, Dave though, right? Yeah. Yeah. And definitely <laughs> with me as well. So we, we had a, we labeled it a ramble around Speyside and we had a few Tam Navoolans in the hand and we kind of went through just some of the kind of trials and tribulations and stuff like that, I suppose of, of the region generally. And then a bit more into that distillery in particular, it was, it was great, man. You know, we had a couple of nice whiskeys, we had some nice chocolates and, uh, I think throughout, um, so the interesting thing is, is the last few years when I've done the Spirit of Speyside Festival at Tam the Vool and it's closed to the visitors, right? It doesn't have a visitor centre. So normally we can only have tour groups of maybe, you know, 10 people per tour. And we would only do three tours per day. So the most I think we could get over the weekend would be about 90 people uh, touring the distillery and we'd sell tickets for it and things like that. But just on the tasting that Dave and I did and people had bought sample packs and stuff like that, we had about 80 people all the way through the kind of hour or hour and 20 minutes. So quite, a, quite an efficient way of, of getting lots of people to hear about and, and, and taste as well, you know, some lovely whiskeys from their favourite Speyside distilleries. So, yeah, man, I really enjoyed myself. Uh, Dave had a good laugh as well. So, yeah, it was cool. And, well, I guess it kind of leads on nicely into, like, what does the future of a whiskey festival now look like, you know? So will it go back to all-in physical Will it be a hybrid where you've got a blend of live and virtual events? Because some people quite prefer 
some of these virtual ways of doing it? Or will some events just stick to the virtual format and just do it in a slightly different way? And um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what your uh, your thoughts are on that, Mitch. I think it's going to be hybrid. I, I mean, I because I think what's happened now is all these whiskey festivals have seen that the virtual thing works. Mm. Um, there, there's, I think there's going to be a big thirst for, for getting back and doing it in person. I think it would be an error if they just went virtual. Yeah. Because, you know, the likes of you and I, we'd much rather be there in person than do it mm. in person. And I know all the other whiskey ambassadors are like that as well. And a lot of whiskey drinkers that I know uh, can't wait to go back to a whiskey festival in real life. So, but I think what they've probably found out is that it does work virtually. And, you know, for them, why not stick a camera in a masterclass or have two cameras and someone streaming it live that people mm. can buy tickets for? And I think, you know, that's, that, that's the great thing. If there's one positive that's come out of 2020, it's the fact that we can do all these things virtually now and it does work. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, the virtual piece I like, I like elements of it, definitely. But I miss people, right? And I love being yeah. around people. And I mentioned before, you know, catching up with old industry friends and even it, like even the guys that um, the guys and girls that you meet when you're out there that you see every year, if you go back to these events regularly, they kind of become your mates in a kind of strange way, right? Uh, so you end up going for dinner or you have a beer with them and stuff. And uh, you actually take it for granted that that's just kind of what you do every year. And until you don't have that, then you kind of miss it. So yeah, I, I think hybrid, definitely. I think there's elements of, uh, you know, being able to sort of tour a distillery, for example, mm. virtually is, is a great way to see a distillery. And actually you, you might get even more access than you normally would as a public visitor because the, so, I mean, at the Spirit of Space out there, uh, Joe and Sam at Tam the Villain, they, they did the dirty side of distilling which was really cool. So they basically showed people like what effluent looks like, what pot ale looks like, all this stuff that you would never see on a distillery tour. They were yeah. kind of exposing it and, and just sort of bringing it to life just so you can see what actually happens at a working distillery. Because on a, on a tour, you're, you're not often going to get access all areas with distillery managers and things like that, you know, and distillers. So yeah, that part of it, I thought was really, really cool. And I've seen that from some of the other distilleries as well. You know, they've definitely shared more than they would ever share on a normal tour or at a whiskey festival so it's been quite cool in that respect you've got under the skin of things in a slightly different way um, yeah. so yeah parts of it will stay i'm certain of that yeah and i know another thing they did up at spaceside was a virtual tour of uh Dal munich which yeah. would have been I, I didn't jump on that but you know that's a distillery i'm kind of obsessed with because it's yeah. just down the road from me up in spaceside um, it's one of the closest distilleries to, to my house at Copperbrock. yeah yeah shameless plug there for it uh-huh. I mean, I, well, look, look <laughs> it might be shameless, highly relevant. I'm going this week. I know you are, mate. I'm looking it's, forward to it. Yeah. It, it's uh, all, all the whiskey has been properly hidden. <laughs> all the good stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> all the valuables have it... been put away. All glassware. I've changed all the glasses for plastics. Yeah, yeah. I, I am a bit breaky when it comes to these kind of things. Yeah. Right. So let's talk about what what's caught our eye this week. Diageo's whiskey news of the week. Big, not not big news from Diageo. It was big news about a, a year ago, two years ago. But their Klein Leash Distillery has opened, which is one of the four homes of Johnny Walker. So they've completed Glen Kinchy already. Uh, just done Klein Leash. I think the next one is uh, Kalila for them, and then the fourth one is going to be what was the fourth Cardew. one? It's Cardew. Cardew, yeah. And I know yeah. Cardew's not far off because I was up there recently cycling around it. Uh, and I saw the work going on. So I know it started up there, but 
the big news from this week was Klein Leash opened up. Uh, did you see anything on this, Daz? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I saw the the kind of press release came out. Um, the distillery you and I know well, obviously, from working for Diageo back in the day. And it was actually one of those kind of lesser known distilleries, you know, that, that people didn't really know to ask for, but uh, very good quality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, cool distillery. Uh, can't wait to get up and check it out. I was at Kalila um, last year. Uh, and was it last year or the year before? It was closed. It was closed for ages. It was closed for about eight months. Uh, so I think I think they will be, yeah, I think they will be the last one of the four. Uh, Glenn Kinchy, you and I have both been to it. Looks great, uh, Cardew, if you've been recently. So yeah, yeah, no, it's all happening. Um, yeah, but stay tuned for the next one or tune in for the next one because we are going to be talking about uh, the the kind of rise of the new distillers and the new distilleries in Scotland that that have been quite a lot there's been a lot of them recently it's, you know the thing is it's, it's amazing right we, we actually talked a little bit about this around the spirit of space side because it's fascinating because not a lot of them are in space side when you think about mm. it yeah True. right so we're going to look at that like where are they why are they there yeah. um so there's uh, new distilleries refurbished distilleries expanded distilleries reopened distilleries there's so much to talk about in that crazy whole area it's mad like yeah there's so much going on um from everyone independence yeah. and even the big guys right the agile and stuff Oof, reopening places so it's yeah it's all happening great that's to gonna see. be a that's gonna be a great episode i'm really looking forward to that and mitch i hope you're sending me some tasty tasty samples of course of course all right so let's get on to the the next part of the show it's time for mitch and daz's interesting scotch whiskey facts that definitely won't get you laid Daz, you've got you've got some facts to wow everyone with this week that isn't going to get them laid, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I've already dropped a few. Uh, we talked about Campbelltown and how Campbelltown had 22 operating distilleries. And at one point, there were 28 named distilleries in that particular region, the heart of Victorian distilling in Scotland. But then we went to Speyside, home to 52. Now, you tried to correct me on this. and You said it might be 53. If someone out there has the final number, it might change tomorrow. It might drop tomorrow. Who knows? But there are 52 distilleries in the Speyside region. Now, another fact that's quite interesting is that Speyside distilleries can also be called Highland distilleries. Grab a bottle of Macallan. It's in the heart of Speyside, just outside of Craig Ellicke, and it's a Speyside whiskey. However, it is allowed to call itself a Highland whiskey because Speyside is a region within the Highland region, which a lot of people don't quite realize. That's a wee fact there for you, Mitch. Did you know that? I did, actually. Did you? You know lots, <laughs> don't you? Um, and the other thing I would just like to highlight is that back in the 1880s, there was an agreement, and it was written in law, that 10 distilleries were allowed to carry the name Glenlivet as a suffix to their distillery name. Glenlossie, McAllen, Aberlour, Benrinis, Craganmore, Linkwood, Glenrothes, Glengrant, Mortlach, and Glenfarclas were all allowed to call themselves of Glenlivet, which is quite interesting. But by the 1980s, there were 28 distilleries that carried the name Glenlivet, after the distillery name, but it all changed, of course, when the Glenlivet, the distillery that's actually in the Glenlivet, <laughs> took a massive objection to this and stopped all of that nonsense. And now distilleries just carry their own name because Glenlivet really was an olden days name for Speyside, as we know. So there we go. There's some interesting facts that will definitely not get you laid, Mitch, um, but they're interesting nonetheless. Beautiful, man. Well done. Well done. Thank you, sir. One of the things we mentioned at the start of the show was that we were going to talk about our do's and don'ts when it comes to whiskey festivals. So as brand ambassadors that have, I don't know, we've 
probably lot. I mean, I've lost count of how many festivals I've I've worked at, right? So you you'll probably be the same as well. Mm. So let's chat about you know little hints and tips for people out there when they're attending these festivals, when they're talking to the people behind the booth who are pouring the whiskey for potentially five to six hours, standing on their feet, saying the same thing over and over again. What's what's your your top tip, Daz, for for anyone going to these events, chatting to these guys? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, don't ask for whiskeys under the counter, right? So if you're annoying. if you're nice, people just give you them. Don't right? don't yeah. Don't ask for the ones under the counter, and don't come up and say, right, what's your oldest one? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally, totally. Um, the next thing is, um, don't ask how I can get your job, because that's rude. That means you're putting me out of a job. <laughs> now, if you want to be a brand ambassador, that's totally fine. That's a different conversation. But how do I get your job? Well, you're not getting my job. I would never come into your work and say, how do I get your job? <laughs> so a, don't ask for another person's job. It's just rude. No? Yeah, no, I agree with that one. I think the one that always does my does my head in as well uh, is, you know, some of, some of the, 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 I don't think most, most of the festivals now have the pourers on them, right? So mm. it's a fixed amount that you pour out. But I remember back in the day before that all started, uh, when you didn't have pourers and you went to pour someone's glass and they, they pulled their glass down. So then mm. the bottle would slip kind of thing and then they would get more of a more of a whiskey or more yeah. of a pour in there. Yeah, and, and the other the other rule I, I would definitely suggest to people that they, they abide by is uh, not falling asleep in a whiskey festival. Uh, you know, just go home after a couple of drams until you're comfortable yeah. and happy and then you can just go home and you can fall asleep on your couch and all that. Don't fall asleep in them. I remember once it was at the, I think it was the Taiwanese Whiskey Live. There was a guy just at, right at the front door. He had actually made it out to be fair to the guy. But um, his his body was submerged in a hedge, and his legs and knees were just kind of hanging out onto the pavement, and it was it was quite remarkable. And I've, I, the the amount of times I've actually seen that the Viking Line as well, Cinderella Cruise. Oh, I remember yeah. uh, Callum Laurie and I uh, were doing working uh, at one of them, and uh, there was yeah just a a foot and up to the knee out of a cubicle and the rest of the body was inside the locked cubicle and that that was another one that had just obviously just fallen asleep at the wrong point and there you go so uh just watch Mate, I, lo- I love the way you never mentioned me by name with these stories yeah Thanks, <laughs> but i didn't want to clip on you you know you were, you were being highly <laughs> <That's>... professional <laughs> so drink drink That's water true. don't drink water don't drink too much and don't overstay your welcome <laughs> yeah yeah and i think as well is just remember that to my point earlier on you know, these guys can have potentially been standing there for five, six hours, uh, maybe for three days in a row saying the same thing. Yeah. So try and go in with some different banter and something a little bit different to ask them. That's <laughs> yeah. the way you're going to get a nice pour from someone, you yeah, know, whether man. it be an ambassador or a brand manager that's, that's standing there. I, I remember a story, Mitch, um, <laughs> from the Viking League, just as we were chatting there, it was just coming to my mind. We were chatting about uh, my old pal, Martin McBardson. And I remember he was serving a customer and uh, it was a gentleman from Sweden. Uh, we know who we know quite well now, actually. He's, he's from Gotland. Um, it's a mad place in Sweden. It's one of the wee islands. And they say that the original Vikings came from there, the, the proper ones, you know, they come from Gotland. And they're a, they're a breed, like they're, they're an interesting bunch. So anyway, this guy comes over and he's asking about some whiskeys and he was after a 1973. And we told him the price of it. I don't know what it was, £2,000 or something like that. I can't remember what it was in Swedish kroner. And he's gone, oh, I'm not really sure. It's like, why not? He's like, well, my wife would kill me if I come back with another really expensive bottle of whiskey. And we're like, okay, cool. No, no problem at all. Just let us know if, you, if you're if you interested. We'll tell you a bit more about it. So anyway, the guy goes away. 
And then he comes back a, a couple of hours later and he comes back and he says, oh, I really want to, I really want to look at that bottle in 1973 again. We're like, yeah, yeah, cool. So we get it out, has a look and he says, oh, I think I'm going to get it. I'm going to get two though. And I said, is your, um, but you, you said your, your wife would, would kill you. He says, yeah, but that was until I went over to the stand across the way. Now, a bottle of 1973 over there is 7,000. And he says, well, here I can get two for one. So my wife will be absolutely fine with that. So he buys two <laughs> bottles of 1973 and he's absolutely delighted, you know? And uh, yeah, it's funny little things like that at these whiskey shows, you know, you do meet some great people. You get some yeah. great crack from people and uh, yeah, everyone's got their own little interests. You know, some people love the rare whiskeys. Some people just want to try something that's new. Some people just want to speak to someone who knows a little bit about whiskey and they, you know, they're going to borrow that information or they're just going to feel a bit better because they found out a little bit more or something. So yeah, man, they, these, they, these right. things are great. I mean, going back to that show, that Cinderella cruise uh, out of Stockholm, that has to be one of the most bonkers festivals I've ever been to. So yeah. to explain what this is, it's a massive cruise liner that just leaves from Stockholm and it's a booze cruise. Let's face it, it is a booze cruise, right? You're not allowed to take your car on board because the whole of the bottom deck is just a big whiskey festival with all the brands set up. Uh, there's whiskey masterclasses that go on and the, the ship just cruises out into the fjord, turns round again and then comes back. I think it leaves in three in the after, three in the afternoon, comes back the next day at three o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. Um, basically, everyone just piles off and then they get a whole load of new people on. Is it three days or five days? I think it's three days, right? Uh, there, there might be there might be both. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it might be five. So there must be more whiskey clubs in Sweden than there are anywhere else in the world. And I've done tastings in Sweden at these whiskey clubs where we've tasted 25 whiskeys. Whiskey tastings with a half time. Do you know what I mean? That's mad. Like, that's <laughs> get oranges out. Yeah, get the oranges out. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. It's nuts. So, yeah, I mean, but my, my crazy story from the, the Cinderella cruise was, uh, you know, this ship is so big. It has a nightclub with a dance floor and there's a whole live band playing. So we ended up having a, you know, after the after the, the big day that we had, obviously wanted to let off some steam. Oh, that's another thing, by the way. If you ever meet a brand ambassador after a whiskey festival, buy them a beer. Don't buy them a whiskey. We always <laughs> want to drink a beer. So anyway, we're I'm glad having, you dropped that in. Well done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're having a couple of beers in this like nightclub afterwards. And um, I was on the dance floor with Gemma Patterson from, from Balveni. And this couple came up to me, not a word of a lie. They'd been in my masterclass earlier on. They were like, oh, it was amazing, really good. Do you want to come back to uh, to our cabin with us and, and have some after-show after whiskey fun? <laughs> I was like, uh, sorry, I've, I've got my wife here and quickly grabbed Gemma and <laughs> ran off. Who isn't my wife, by the way, but yeah, she, yeah. she pretended that she was very well that night. Conveniently, so yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Interesting times. Absolutely. Well, that is a proposition that uh, you'll so they, never there forget. There you go. I actually... Obviously gave some whiskey facts that could have got me laid that night. Yeah, uh, well, you did. Well done. Well done. <laughs> yeah. Guess the whiskey. 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 That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> that is the, that, that's the best jingle. What do you think about jingles, Daz? You liking the, the jingles? I think they're really good. Yeah. They're lovely. That, that, that was me singing that one, by the way. Definitely. <laughs> stick to my day job within whiskey and not go into singing. All right, so this week it is Daz's turn to give us the clues for what whiskey he is talking about. So Daz, go for it. Okay, now this town is home to two distilleries, okay? There are two distilleries in this town and one of them is Tainanish. That's clue number one. What's the second distillery? 
Clue number two. There's an animal on the label. And clue number three is that the word in old Latin, or Gaelic actually, in Gaelic it would mean big meadow. So there we go. Three clues. There we go. So guys, uh, give us a shout. We still haven't worked out how. For some of you got in contact about last episode's one. Uh, yeah. So there was only about two people that got it right. One of them being Mark Thompson, and he should do because it's one of the brands that he works for. So to to give everyone the the answer, the whiskey that we're talking about last week was Balvenie. So if you do know what Daz was talking about this week, shoot us a wee note on Instagram or pop us a little uh, a little note in the comments here. I think there's comments on podcasts, right? I haven't really checked that out yet. Really I need to have a look question, at that. Bruv. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll find out. Yeah, anyway, anyway, we'll, we'll work it out. Um, all right, guys. So hopefully you enjoyed that little look at whiskey festivals. Um, like we mentioned earlier, we are going to do the next episode on new distilleries and reopening of distilleries that are happening in Scotland over the next year and, and what's happened over the last uh, three to five years as well. But hopefully you enjoyed our little chat about whiskey festivals. Uh, thanks for tuning in and we'll see you guys next time. Yeah. Guys, thanks so much. Make sure you give us a wee subscribe or whatever it is that you do for podcasts. And yeah, we look forward to sharing some more stories from these wonderful new distilleries in the next episode. We'll see you soon. Cheers. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.